Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. I want to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of John, chapter 19, and we're going to start with verse 1. Today is the day in which the church world we call Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is the day in which all of Israel in Jerusalem were waiting for the Passover lamb to come to be sacrificed for their lives. And I taught this last Friday night as we did the Passover Seder meal, Christ Jesus in the Seder meal, But one of the things that I pointed out was so important. When you look at the lamb that Israel brought for a sacrifice when they were in Egypt, the Bible says they went and got a lamb, and they realized that it was the lamb, and when they realized it was the lamb, it became their lamb. And you see the same thing. I'm going to read the story. I, I, I was studying... I wasn't really studying. I was just reading to read scripture and just to fill my heart with the word of God. And I was reading on when Jesus came riding in on the borrowed donkey. And so next Sunday, I'm going to read that story and tell the story from Jesus coming in to the resurrection of the tomb. And I'm telling you something. It's a great story that when it looks like things are going bad, he got up. And that's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our lives. And and the journey of that is absolutely fascinating. When we read this day in Jesus' life, when, when he went from coming into Jerusalem and being checked by the religion, the fake religious leaders, and then course this coming friday this coming friday is what we call good friday and we're going to take communion together it's a, it's a, it's a uh, let me tell you how important it is that you take communion yeah. it's so important that when we teach this god says don't take this unworthy right. stop and let people rededicate their hearts to the lord Because when you do this, something supernatural through the body and through the blood of Jesus is released. I love to teach this all the time. Nothing, say nothing. Nothing Nothing in God's word, nothing in his instruction is just a ritual. It's not just a, a, a Hail Mary full of grace. Everything God gives us is a revelation. But once we have that revelation, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and don't do it? So there's two parts. It's, wow, I I understand this. And now when we do it, the windows of heaven are unlimitedly opened up for God to pour his blessing in our lives. Now, that's always been true, but I believe with what we see coming around the world in Bible prophecy, what we see our nation and, and what it looks like as a disaster com- taking place in our nation, I believe the power of God. I know. I don't believe. I know the power of God is coming on the church greater 
than ever before. You know, I, I had the privilege of doing a um, radio interview on Thursday. These people own a Christian radio station, and afterwards the lady said, uh, the owner is here of the station, and she wants to talk to you, and she said, we want, listen, we own the Christian, the, the, I don't know if you've ever seen The, the, the Chosen, have you seen that? Well, the same people that did The Chosen are the ones that interviewed me. And somebody called them and said, man, if you like the Jesus Revolution movie, wait till you hear Pastor Larry's testimony. And so they, they wanted me to share my testimony. They wanted to share, us to share about October 21st, where we're going to gather the city together and pray and worship. And they said, would you come and, and talk to us? We want to take your teachings and put them not only on the Christian station for free, we want to put them on our Western, uh, our country Western stations. And they asked me a question. They said, uh, uh, they said, how are we going to get the young people back in the church? And it hit me like a lightning. We're going to go, when are we going? This Wednesday? Is it this coming Wednesday? The, the Jesus, we're going to go to the movie to see the Jesus revolution. The Jesus revolution, um, is what I got saved in. And it hit me like a lightning. And I want you to grab a hold of this for yourself and your family and your kids and your grandchildren. Dur the Jesus Revolution was a time in which it looked darkest in the history of America for our young people. We weren't going to church. We didn't believe in God. We didn't trust our government. It was drugs everywhere. And, and which meant the, this youth movement was the future of America. And it was bleak. It was, it was a, a very dark time for our young people. And in the middle of the darkest time where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. Oh, can I have an amen? And it hit me like a lightning bolt. I, and this, I believe in all my heart this is prophetic. In the time that I got saved, I was a junkie. I was a drug addict. I, I was full of violence and hate. We, we, it was sweeping across America. We're anti-America. We're anti-government. Uh, 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 We're anti-everything. We're anti-anti. <laughs> and out of nowhere, nobody can tell you how it started. All of a sudden, boom, there was a Jesus people movement. And I declare to us today, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's going to happen again. It's getting ready to happen again. Amen? And so one of the things that we need to do to understand this and prepare for this is understand the power of God. We've been talking about the blood of Jesus, and we're going to continue that on Friday when we take communion. We're going to, we're going to go even deeper in the revelation of this is for me. This is for me. We talked about Jesus shedding his blood in the garden to buy back our willpower, that by his stripes we were healed. Every disease known to mankind is defeated by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Today we're going to talk because today is the day that we receive the first fruit offerings when Jesus said 30, 60, 100 fold. Jesus was a rabbi. And he's teaching Jews. So when he says 30, 60, 100 fold, he wasn't just throwing out some random numbers. He's talking about three times a year, you come before the Lord and you don't come empty handed and God opens the windows of heaven. Now, listen to me. The prosperity message is true. 
I can remember when a man came, a farmer came to Oral Roberts, and he said, my, my farm, my ranch, whatever, is in dire straits, and God told me, you know what? If I want to harvest, I have to plant seed. Now, this is where it all began when we began to understand because religion wants to tell you to be really spiritual, you need to be poor. And I don't have time to get into this. I, I, maybe I need to teach a whole thing on this because Jesus was poor. Jesus wasn't poor. Can I have an amen on that? I know we're taught that Jesus isn't poor. He said, well, I don't have a place to lay my head. That's because his job was to travel Israel and bring the gospel. There were no telephones. There, were no, uh, there was no internet. There was no radio or television. But if you look at Jesus when he's feeding, what, 5,000 men plus women and children? A minimum of 15,000 people. The disciples came to Jesus and said, you need to send them away to get lunch. They're hungry. And Jesus said, you feed them. And what they say? Should we go and buy? In other words, in their pockets. I'm, I'm helping some of you. In their pockets, there was enough to buy lunch for 15,000 people. Jesus wasn't poor. Now, I know the Bible says Jesus became poor so we could become rich. Okay, now let me back you up. Number one, uh, let's say Jesus was poor. Then he became poor so you could become what? Rich. Oh, see, I, you, see you, can't, you can't even say it. Because religion has used this as a scam. Jesus became poor so you could become rich. How many want to be in the will of God? Yeah. I know no, half of you. How many want to be in the will of God? Yeah. Go on. See, you, you've, got to, you've got to get this. See, when, when I got saved, we were taught you're supposed to be poor. Of course, the guy that was the head of the organization was making millions, but we were supposed to be poor. Well, you can't live in a nice house. Well, you can't, you can't drive a nice car. Well, you, if you're putting your, your time into building a business, you're not putting your time into building the kingdom of God. That is a lie and a false teaching. The Bible says when you have beautiful homes and... I'm coming down. When you have beautiful homes and dwell in them. You know, I look at a lot of our Hispanic people here right now. And, and I think Hispanic people are the greatest workers there are in the world. I, I, they're just amazing. You know, I, I, everywhere, you know, there's, they're building a house behind us right now. And, and 5 o'clock in the morning, the radio, until dark. Man, those guys are out working. But you know what, Hispanic brothers and sisters? It says when you build beautiful houses and you dwell in them. Oh, come on, somebody. For our African-American people, when you discover who the thief is, 
It's been stored up for you in God. Come, come on, somebody. For all white people and white Christians, when we've been taught by religion, when we've been taught by religion that God doesn't care about these things. And I, we were taught. I can remember one day I was listening to a guy by the name of John Avanzini teaching, and all of a sudden I, it, it hit me. You mean, I, you know, we never missed the tithe. We never didn't give uh, uh, money when the church needed it. We never didn't give money when the evangelist came. But we didn't believe for prosperity. And one day the light came on. And Tiz and I said, you know what? We're calling back all the harvest that we should have had. It's not lost. It's stored up in God's bank. Somebody say amen. We're talking about Passover. And when Israel was leaving slavery of Egypt, the word Egypt means limitation. That's what the word Egypt means, limits. They were slaves, and in an instant, they went from slaves having nothing to owning the wealth of the wicked. And the people in, in Egypt begged them, take our clothes, take our jewelry, take our herds, take our flocks. And they went in a moment of time to give us the sign of the end time transfer of wealth. I want you and all of you watching around the world to receive that. Amen. Now, let's look at this in the Word of God and put some scripture behind. That's why I want you to bring your Bible so you can write in it and you can look at it and, 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 and study this throughout the earth. Read with me in John chapter 19, starting with verse 1. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. And Pilate went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, to the crowd, behold the man. Now, as we're thinking about this, I'm going to turn my Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 3. It's, the scripture will come out in just a minute. But I want you to see this picture of Pilate with Jesus. They've scourged him. They've arrested him, they've scourged him, and now to mock him as being the king of the Jews. They take a crown of thorns, they see a, they see a thorn bush, and they weave it into a crown, and they shove it onto the brow of Jesus, mocking him as king of the Jews. And Pilate looks at Jesus and says, behold, he's just a man. Look at him. Now, this really isn't, I picked this picture out because it shows Pilate with Jesus, but it's really not a great picture of this because Jesus' body is already ripped and, and, and torn apart as no man. His organs were hanging out. And so when they put the crown on him, it's like he couldn't stop us when we arrested him. He couldn't stop us when we whipped him. He couldn't stop us 
when we mocked him and shoved a crown of thorns on his head. Behold, he's just a man. But I want you to know that anywhere along the line, Jesus could have said, that's it. I am fed up with this and called a legion of angels to come and shut the window and take names. Do you understand that? And that's why no man took Jesus' life. He gave it, but he gave himself to these seven places that he shed his blood. And the crown of thorns is not a coincidence. The crown of thorns is there for a purpose. I want you to read with me in Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to see something that's very, very powerful. I've taught on this a little bit, but I want to go a little bit deeper. Verse 17. Then Adam said... And then, at, and then to Adam, he said, because, everybody say because. because. It's very important that we hear that. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Now, there's a perfect example that we never listen to our wives. Let's pray. That's not what it means. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of. Now, Adam and Eve are living in the Garden of Eden. All of Eden is not a garden. This part of Eden is a garden, and it is a land, it is a land that flows with milk and honey. If you can picture grapes the size of grapefruits and everything Adam and Eve put their hands to, it was just blessed by God. They had to work the garden, but it wasn't hard work. It was like just everything was supernatural. And God said, all of this is yours. It's, it's all yours. As a matter of fact, one of the things he says, here's the cows, here's the cattle, here's the mountains, here's the fish, here's the stream. But then he says, up this river, the river of Pishon, is where the gold is. Now, I don't have time to get into that deeply, but God never showed where the cattle were. He never showed where the fish were. He just said, they're there. But he said, up this river is where the gold is. And in ancient Jewish wisdom, it says, when we are serving God, God will always lead us to where the gold is. Now, I want you to grab a hold of that because every time God moves, he moves spiritually, the 10 plagues in Egypt, let my people go, but he also moves, when he moves spiritually, he moves financially. Every time, every time, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, you know what, I, I, I told them that uh, we pay our taxes. And Jesus said, okay, Peter, go to the river and go fishing. So Peter's down at the river. Guy comes up to him. He said, you fishing, huh? Yeah. What are you fishing for? Tax money. <laughs> what are you using for bait? The word of God. And he pulled out a fish with a gold coin in its mouth. Every time, say every time. every time, every time God moves spiritually, he moves financially. We, we need to get past, we need to get past the embarrassment of wanting more money. Right? Now, 
when you, when you get more, the, the problem with people getting more is now your tithe is more. You know, and I'm going to show you something here. But, I, 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 you know, I've been in ministry a long time, and I hear people say all the time, Pastor, someday, someday I'm going to write you a check for what you're doing for a million dollars. And I believe that. But you'll never write a check for a million dollars if you're not faithful with that $50 tithe. You, you'll, you'll never do it. I'm going I'm to show you something that's bizarre. But I, and I've never taught this before. But you've got to understand where this whole thing started was God said, all of that is yours. That's all yours. 90% of what you see is yours. But he said to Adam, this one is mine. Don't touch it. And the whole thing started because Adam said, you know what? I thank God for all this, but I want that too. And that became the open door for the curse. Now, look what it says here. Here's an amazing thing, and I, I, I've never taught this. He says to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Don't, don't touch this. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Now, we lose a lot in from English translation, from Hebrew translation to English. So what does it really say when it says cursed is the ground for your sake? In Hebrew, it reads cursed is the ground, cursed is your finances, cursed is the limitation of your abundance because of what you did. That's what it says. God didn't curse the ground. Adam cursed the ground because he touched what belonged to God. Amen? Cursed, you're cursed because of that. There's a limit on, now you'll eat, you'll, you'll survive, but you won't see the abundance. Now, let, let me move on. In toil you shall eat all the days of your life. In toil, I'm sorry. In toil you shall eat all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living things. And also Adam and his wife and the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat of it and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God, now watch this, and most of you heard me teach this, but I'm going to show you a different twist. Therefore, the Lord God sent, say sent, sent, sent him out of the garden to till the ground from which he was taken. Verse 24, he drove, say drove, drove, drove the man out of the uh, man out of the place. Now, before I read the last part, why is God... It, this, this is, this is a, a, a tremendous understanding when you're reading in Scripture. Whenever you see something repeated, God is not just being redundant. When you see something twice, it's because God is saying, ancient Jewish wisdom says, God is about to reveal to you a secret. So he 
put man out, or he's out. Then it says he drove man out. All right, he's out. Everything God does is what? Physical and spiritual. So physically, he removed Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. Spiritually, ancient Jewish wisdom says he divorced himself from Adam and Eve of being Jehovah Jireh, their provider. And he said, when you were in the garden, everything you put your hands to, I blessed. You know, when we pray over our bread at, at the Sabbath or we pray over bread at communion, we say the words, And what that says is, Blessed art Lord God, King of the universe, who blesses us with his commandments and brings bread out of the ground. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a farmer, but if you go by a farm, you won't see bread coming out of the ground. This is, this is very symbolic. What God is saying is when you're doing what I want you to do, it'll be so easy. It'll be like bringing the bread, bread right out of the ground. Now, today, you got to buy the land, you got to till the land, you got to spray the land, you got to plant the seed, you got to water the land, you got to harvest the crop, you got to bring the crop in. But when we're serving God, and we're still working, Adam and Eve were working, but it was light labor because their energy was not to be used to barely make a living. Their energy was to be used that as they're being blessed, their energy was saved to serve the living God and give him all the praise and all the glory. But now he drove them out and he said, no longer am I going to be Jehovah Jireh, just blessing everything you put your hands to. But now by the sweat of your brow, you know, I told Tiz, I told the guys back in my life group before church, I said, you know, I've taught this all along, and I was writing this down last night by the sweat of your brow. And the Lord spoke to my spirit, and he said, everything God does, everything teaching is physical and spiritual. So we know the sweat of our brow. The physical means instead of bread just coming out of our hand, just God just blessing us, now we got to toil and we got to work and we got to do all these things. What's the spiritual side? I looked up the word sweat in Hebrew. It means with fear and anxiety. Worrying about this business deal, worrying about our job, worrying about, worrying about the economy, worried about what the, what, what, uh, what the Washington's going to do. But when we are serving God and we realize Washington is not Jehovah Jireh, our provider, or that job is not Jehovah Jireh, your provider, but Almighty God through Jesus Christ is our Lord and our provider, now we're free from worry and we're free from anxiety and God begins to bless us and give us joy. And I thought, uh, uh, just a side note, I thought about working a job that you hate. Working a job that, you know, uh, working around people that just frustrate you and make you angry. I believe God will give us jobs that we love to do. You know, they say if you love to work, you never go to work a day in your life. I love, you know, I, I have so many friends saying, when are you going to retire? How can you retire from giving the good news? How can you retire from seeing people give their lives to Jesus Christ? How can you retire from seeing marriages saved and, and people healed of disease and 
drug addict set free. How can you retire? I love my job. But God will give you a job that you love. And God will give you a business that will flow. And you don't have to worry and fret about things because when we're serving God, that curse is reversed. God said, by the thorns and thistles, you're going to make out a living. And here they come with Jesus Christ, and they take these thorns. These are thorns from Israel. And they took the crown of thorns, and they pressed them on the brow of Jesus, mocking him. But little did they know that through the blood on Jesus' brow, we may have been cursed by the sweat of Adam's brow with fear and anxiety and hating our job and barely getting a by but when they took that curse and pressed it on the brow of Jesus and out came blood you and I have been redeemed from the curse and we've been reconnected with Jehovah Jireh who is our provider somebody say amen you know, when I go to vote, I'm not voting for somebody that's just going to give me something. I'm voting for somebody that wants to stand with me on the word of God because I don't need the government's money. I need the king of kings and the Lord of lords who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, let me show you something. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? All through the scriptures... The Lord has tried to reconnect the human race, his people, with him being Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 3. You know, when, uh, I don't know if I, uh, excuse me, uh, Malachi chapter 3. I don't know if I said this, but when when I looked up the word sweat, and it meant anxiety and anger and toil, um, you know, Owen's favorite scripture was, There's a wealth that comes from the Lord and brings no sorrow with it. You know, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You know what? God is the guardian of our souls. God is the guardian of our life. The name of Jesus is the name above every name. And I don't care what's out there. Satan can come in and attack your finances, attack your home, attack your family. But when you realize that greater is he that's in you, that God will stand in front of your door and protect your finances. And you know what? If the devil stole something from you financially, when you realize who the devil is, maybe the devil stole something from through you from the government with some bad taxes or stole from a bad partner or stole from somebody else. When you discover who the thief is the thief is not that person the thief is the devil and when you discover it's the devil who stole you now you're going to get it all back multiplied by seven because we are the ones who serve the god who owns the cattle and the silver and the gold and it's our father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom isn't that amazing Now look at this in the end days. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Now let me say this very quickly, and, and, and I should take more time. We read that, and we read it as it being John the Baptist. And it is a great illustration of John the Baptist, but ancient Jewish wisdom says this is not talking about John the Baptist 
and a teaching for the Jewish people as much as it is for the, the coming of the Messiah and the Gentiles. Gentiles, Because he said, I send a messenger. This messenger will teach my word and prepare the way, and I will come suddenly to my temple. When Jesus came the first time, he didn't come suddenly. Mary was pregnant nine months. Jesus grew up. We see Jesus, 12 years old, teaching in the temple. Mary and Joseph lost their son, had to go back to Jerusalem. Good parenting skills. Lost their son, had to go back to Jerusalem, found Jesus teaching the, the, the elders in the temple. We see Jesus grow up. We see Jesus uh, lead his disciples for three and a half years. We see Jesus come in on, uh, on, on a borrowed donkey we, and on and on and on. So there was nothing sudden about, sudden about this. But when Jesus comes the second time, he'll come as a thief in the night. He'll come in a blink of an eye. He'll come, boom, and there he is, and we're gone. So ancient Jewish wisdom says this is really talking about the eyes of the Gentiles being open. Now, this is the last scripture before, and it's 500 years until the New Testament. Israel has just come out of Babylonian captivity. And I won't take time to read it all because of the clock. But Israel's just come out of Babylonian captivity. They've been defeated again. Again, they've been defeated. So they meet in Jerusalem. This is what Malachi is all about. It's called the Great Assembly. And all the sages and the prophets are there. All the great rabbis are there. And they're praying and they're saying, God, what do we do to keep the enemy from defeating us? Now, if you understand Bible history, the reason why, in a nutshell, it's much more complex than this, but the reason why the Babylonians had power over Israel and defeated them because Israel was so blessed, they forgot it was God that gave them the power to gain wealth. That's what the Lord says. He says, don't forget when you're living in beautiful houses and your herds increase and your homes increase. And I, I want to think of America. America is, is the b most blessed nation in the world. But all of a sudden, we're forgetting that even on our money, it says, in God we trust. Come on, somebody. And so when we look at this, Israel is praying in Jerusalem, how do we keep from going back and being defeated by our enemy? The first thing he says is, first I'm going to judge those amongst you, the leaders amongst you, who takes the offering. I'm going to judge those who are in the pulpit. I'm going to judge those who are on television. And I'm going to judge those who are scamming you for the offering. When we went to Haiti, John and uh, my son Luke and and uh, Scott, when we went to Haiti, we went down, saw the need. God moved in our hearts. We, we decided we're going to build an orphanage down there. We came back and raised the funds. We thought we were going to need 20000 We needed 120000 have. We didn't have 10000 to give back then. Now we're giving two million, over $2 million a year, but that was the beginning of sowing a seed to reap a harvest that we didn't have. But the guy that we work with said all these ministries flew in their private jets, and that's fine, fine, private jets. They took film. They went back and raised millions of dollars. He said, you know how much, how many of these guys sent money down, what they said on TV they would do? 
You know how many they sent down? Said, you're the, you, New Beginnings is the only one that said, we'll do this, and you did it. And we've been doing it now. How many years now? Ten years, 11 years, something like that. You know, it's a funny thing about orphans. They want to eat every day, those selfish kids. We don't even tell you. We did, they just needed all new bedding and new beds and new clothing and, you know, all these things. And now they're going to. And so if I get up and say, we're going to do this for, we feed 50,000 meals every month in Haiti to kids, to kids. Right, John? Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. In, in Africa. We, we, if I say I'm going to do that and I ask you for money to do that and I don't do that, I'm a false teacher. So one, he first addresses the leaders. Don't scam the people. My job is to feed you, not fleece you. But the second thing is to the people. God says, return unto me and I'll return unto you. They said, man, if we return to you, you, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sitkin, Jehovah Makedith, Jehovah Shalom, the God who brings gold coins out of fish's mouth, the God who slays Goliath with one smooth stone, the God who opens blind eyes, the God who parts the Red Sea, you'll return to us? Yes. Okay, how do we return in you? Through tithing. Yes. No hablo English. <laughs> now, come on now, say Amen. Now, we don't, we don't hardly ever take an offering here. We just trust when you leave, you'll put your tithe in there. But you've got to understand, go back to where this whole thing started. God said, I'll bless the 90% you have. But don't touch what's mine. And Adam touched what belongs God. The 10th belongs to God. The reality of it is, is we can't give God an offering. Because God owns it all. He owns 100%. The earth is mine and the fullness thereof. The gold and the silver are mine. The cattle on the, and the sheep on the hills are mine. The hills are mine. Everything under the hills are mine. It's mine. But I'm going to trust you with 90%. Eat it, have it all. And I'll bless it. I'll keep it growing. But don't touch what's mine. So they said, how do we return? God says, in your tithe, we know, we know the tithe, 10%. And, and I'll tell you something, that's, that's, that's when Israel said, you know what? We're so blessed. Our country is so blessed. We don't really need God anymore. And God said, no problem. I'll step back. And here comes the, Demo oh, the Babylonians. <laughs> Here they come. Amen. So they come back and go, man, we're free. We're, we're free. What do we need to do? It says tithes and offerings. An amazing thing, and I, I'm going a little long on this because I got a, one more scripture to read. But if you look at the history of the Babylonian captivity, yeah, they stopped giving their tithes. They stopped giving their offering, and I'm going to show you what that is. But the main thing is they stopped in Israel keeping Shemitah. Now, what Shemitah is, is God said, I want you to trust that I'm the one who gives you power to gain wealth. 
It's not the government. It's not the church. It's not the synagogue. It's not the welfare. It's not, I'm the one. And so every seven years, don't plant anything in your field. Now, I want you to see what that's called, Shemitah. And I want you to see what that means. That means they have to trust God to bring a, an abundance in the sixth year because they're not planting or reaping in the seventh year. So they need enough to bless their home and their family the sixth year. They need enough good measure to get them through the seventh year. And then they need enough to get them through the eighth year so they can plant and at the end of the eighth year reap the harvest. So they need triple blessing. They stopped doing that. They said, man, we, if, if, if I hold on to this 10%, if I hold on to this, I'll have more. And God said, it's not the way I work. It's not the way I work. I remember when I first got saved, this guy showed us this illustration evangelist. And a guy was dying of thirst in the desert. And there was a pump. And he showed the pump. It was an old rusty pump. And they said, there was a sign that said, there's all the water in here you need. But there was one bottle of water standing next to the pump. And he said, drink the water and you have enough for a moment. Pour the water down the pump. Prime the pump and you will have unlimited amount of water. So the flesh goes, man, I need, I need instant gratification. I want my instant food and I want it right now. But if you prime that pump, it keeps that water flowing. That's what the tithe does. But then he says, not only the tithe, but the offering besides. Now, go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 16, and I want to show you an absolutely amazing thing. Deuteronomy chapter 16. When God says your tithe and your offering... And I hope you understand that. When I, said, when I say, when God's speaking the Bible, who's he speaking to us? Who's, who's he speaking to? And Christians go, to us. Well, he is speaking to us. But when the Bible was written, he was speaking to Jews. Right? right. right? Now, if, if I took you hunting, uh, I know things in, in hunting. If you've never hunted before, I know things about hunting and being in the woods and survival and it would it would it would it could save your life if you'd listen to what we're saying not just stumble around and bumble around but listen to what we're saying it's the same thing here when jesus is speaking here he's speaking to people who know what he's talking about because they've been trained in the bible in the torah for their whole lives so when he says offering besides, yeah, and, and you ought to do this. If you're, if you're it, it's up to you. But if your tithe is $100, put 110 in. Do, do a little more than he asks. If God asks for your coat, give him your cloak too, right? Because you can never outgive God. That's, but that's not what he's talking about when he says the offering besides. The offering besides is the 30, 60, 100 fold. Look at uh, Deuteronomy 16, verse 1. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover of the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Therefore, you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd 
in the place where the Lord God chooses to put his name. Now jump down to nine. You shall count for yourself seven weeks for yourself. Begin the count seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle in the grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks, seven weeks. This is what, look at me a second. Seven, how many days in a week? Seven times seven is what? 49 plus the, the holy day is how many days? What is that? How do you say that? Pentecost. Pentecost. So from Passover, 50 days, from Passover, which starts one day, 50 days is Pentecost or Shavuot. All right, jump down to verse 13. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days, and when you've gathered from the threshing floor and from the wine press, and you shall rejoice in your feast, and your sons and your daughters, your manservant, your maidservant, the Levites, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates, seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you shall surely rejoice." God will bless you. Say bless. bless. Say this out loud. My God, My God is not on a budget. Not on a budget. My, father My Father wants to bless me and make me happy. God wants you to drive a car that n- the main color is not Bondo. God wants you to drive a car that you're not having to waste all your prayer life in saying, God, if I can just make it home, I'm out of gas. Come on, kids, pray. No, God wants your tank full. Oh, come on, somebody. And we've all been there. We've all been there. When Tiz and I got saved, man, we tithed, we gave, but we never heard prosperity. I can remember we were down to one box of, one box of instant potatoes. One box of instant potatoes in our 8 by 22 trailer. And Tiz poured them in, started boiling them, and all these bow weevils came up. We scraped them off. You know what? We were happy. We were trusting God. You know, have any of you ever been on, have any of you ever eaten welfare cheese? Come on, don't look at me like that. You know, those preachers who say, who preach against prosperity, they ain't never been poor. When Tiz and I were married, we weren't poor. We were poor. We couldn't even afford the last OR. I believe, you know, there was, there was a couple weeks, and we lived in Flagstaff. Flagstaff would get four feet of snow. I, dro- I, I, I did construction, and I loaded trucks, and there was a couple weeks that there was no, no work. You couldn't get work. The, the place was shut down. Nobody moved. And so we, I, we went, and, and it was a, a terrible thing, and I went and got welfare cheese, and I realized welfare cheese is a miracle, marital aid because you can't cut that by yourself. It takes two. We had cheese sandwiches. We had fried cheese plain. We had cheese and crackers. We had cheese with other cheese. That's why when I, when I learned that when I sow, God is the Lord of harvest, it made me happy. You sow a seed, you don't get one crop, you get a bushel. Amen. 
Look at this where it says here, verse 16. Three times a year. Let me go back to verse 15. Seven days you shall keep the sacred feast of the Lord your God in the place which the Lord your God chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all, in all, in all, in some, in a little, in a trinkle, in an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny. What does it say? All. All your produce and in all the work of your hands that you shall surely rejoice. Now listen, Tiz and I were happy when we were poor. I've been in plenty and I've been in want. Plenty is more fun. I'm going over to the Presbyterians. I've been in plenty and I've been in want and I declare plenty is more fun. Amen? Now look at the next verse. Here's the key. Three times a year. Say three. three. Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. We just showed you the three. Three times a year you shall come before the Lord. Three times a year all your males shall appear. And of course now Jesus included women. Right? All your males and women shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the feast of unleavened bread, which is right now, at the feast of weeks, which is in 50 days, Pentecost, and the feast of tabernacles, which is in the fall, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man, some people, if you feel like it, if God speaks to you, if you're motivated, if you're okay, every, say every, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he, which he has given you. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to cut back, but when you go to Deuteronomy 28, when you have a chance, look at Deuteronomy 26 because three times in a row, God says, I want you to bring your first fruit offering, bring your pe Passover, Pentecost, Feast of offering to the place that I have chosen and put it in the hand of the priest that I have chosen. Yeah. Now, this is an amazing thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing with this. Jewish sages will say this is a scripture to the awakening of Gentiles. Because if you read 26, it says, when you come into the land, which I have promised you, give your first fruit offering. How can you give a first fruit offering if it's Israel coming out of the desert? They haven't had a harvest. And what they're saying is, is that this is the Gentiles who when they spiritually return their hearts to Jerusalem, they will bring a first fruit offering. He said, to the place that I have chosen. Now, why would he, and if you look at it, in the last three scriptures we read, he says it three times. The place that I've chosen, the place that I've chosen. Well, everybody knows that at the time of the temple, the time of the tabernacle, the place was Jerusalem. But when the tabernacle and the temple is gone and he begins to wake up the Gentiles and they begin to see this out of Malachi, this is written to us. He doesn't say anything about Shemitah because you can't keep Shemitah 
unless you live in Israel. But he does say your tithe and your offering because it's Gentiles in these last days that will realize that we are the tabernacle of God. We are the temple of God. And when we bring it, and I believe New Beginnings is one of the very few places, more teaching this now, but God has place it on our heart and I believe new beginnings is the place where God has chosen and I believe that and I say this God chooses the foolish to confound the wise I'm the priest that God has said put it in your hand and I will open up the windows of heaven now if you go to chapter 28 look at verse 28 and he says if you obey this commandment i will bless you in your coming i will bless you in your going i will bless you in your field i will bless you in your home i will bless you in your job i will bless you what he's saying is if you do this i will open up the unlimited windows of heaven and you will not be able to outrun my blessing somebody ought to come on somebody ought to say amen you won't you won't oh no Run, kids, kids, get the kids, run. What? Here comes more blessing. Oh, I can't take it anymore. Now, I believe this. I believe this. The Bible says that when we obey God, we'll have favor with God and favor with man. We are seeing it all over our congregation and and and, and words. We got, we got a, pr- a letter from a precious lady that said, Pastor, I started watching you and Tiz. I love you and Tiz. Just a precious lady. Her husband died a few years ago. And she said, I started setting money aside so that I could bless Israel and send my first fruits in. And she said, the first one I sent in my refrigerator broke i lost all my food and she said i just set this aside and i just have enough and she said that day i said god pastor larry said he'll open the god will open the windows of heaven she said that day my brother and if i know she's watching if i'm getting the day my brother i hadn't talked to him in 20 years that day he called me and he said how you doing she said well i'm trusting god my fridge broke and it ruined all my food he bought her a brand new fancy refrigerator and freezer he sent her money to fill that now they're reconnecting to that listen we cannot give god because our god is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the world. I don't trust anybody but the one who I can put my heart and life in, and his name is Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen. I will bless you. I will bless you. Let me read this, and we close. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your income. Then, everybody say then. And then your granaries will be full, your vats shall overflow with new wine. Your granaries will be full. That's your physical world. That's your job. That's your home and your cars and your business and everything. I'm going to put my mark on that. But then he says your vats will overflow with new wine. That's the anointing of God. There is a wealth that comes from the Lord. And devil, no sorrows coming with it. We are rejoicing in the blessing of God. Would you give the Lord a great big clap offering of praise? Stand with me all over the building. We're going to receive the first fruit offering. If if you're in a hurry, I know a few of you have to go meet your probation officer by noon. But here's what we're going to do. 
the offering of Passover is called a burnt offering. And they would come and bring the offering and the smoke from their offering would rise up to heaven. And as God received this, the, 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 the flavor of your offering, he released heaven down on his people. So we put our altar, our altar here. I asked them not to put the smoke in because last time they did, I had smoke inhalation. But we're going to ask you, do your best. And, and listen to me. This, this ministry is debt-free. This, this ministry is debt-free because we don't waste your money. We don't waste your money. But I'm going to tell you something. You know, one of the things, you, you know, we bless Israel. You know, we're doing Aliyah. You know, we're doing Holocaust survivors. You know, we're, we're, we're getting ready to do another section of bomb shelters for children. Uh, we're, we feed in Zimbabwe. We have the orphanage in Haiti. We feed in Cuba. We feed all, all these places we don't, even, we don't even tell you about. But one of the things Tiz and I pray about is God show us where to be a blessing. And I'm serious. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Lord, where, where do you want us to be a blessing? And his righteousness. That word righteous means acts of charity. Where, do you, where, where, can I be, where can I help? Where can I make the world a better place? Where can I, where can I tikkun, olam, tikkun olam, repair the broken world? Many of you know that I'm on the board of Israeli Ally Foundations. We don't talk about this. The Israeli Ally Foundation, we're a small group that is just exploiting across the world now. We go to the governments around the world, Washington, D.C., governments of the world. We're the ones that got the embassy moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. We're the ones that did that. We wrote that policy. We made that happen. And we, we, we started off supporting them at 60,000 a year and then 80,000 a year and then 100,000 a year. And this last year I said, you know, we're going to give 120000 to them. And it's not like, oh, we're feeding somebody. But we go into the nations of the world and say, you need to stand for what the Word of God says and be bold in it. And we're seeing nations say, we will do this. And so when you give your first food offering, realize it's, it's not going for a jet plane. It's not going for... A Bentley, although if you want to give me one, you will be a prophet of God. It's going to change the world. And so do your best. Do your best. You that are watching by stream, do your best. Because I believe in all my heart, we are in the time, the next two years, we're going to see such great spiritual and financial blessing on people's lives that, that it, it, will, it will blow your mind looking back to see where you are this day. Father, I ask you to bless this offering. Father, speak to our hearts and minds what you would have us to do. And Father, in advance, I release the open windows of heaven, the unlimited blessing of God on all of our lives. And Father, in this, especially in the area of finances, and we give you praise, we give you glory. Look at me a second. And I wanna thank you. We, we very seldom pass the place. And you know what? You know why we don't pass the plates? Because we want to take time for altar calls and stuff. And you know what? In not passing the plates and you just giving because you know it's right, our offering hasn't gone down one inch. You are amazing, amazing people. But remember your tithe, remember your first fruits, and remember the open windows of heaven. And the end of that, 
you want to receive this? He said, I'll rebuke the devourer. Let's get the devil off your finances so you can live good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. You'll come down. Place your offering here. God bless you as you give. God bless our stream audience.